0: Now, here's Mother Miriam.
1: Hello, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you're well. It's so good to be with you. You know, we are on video, but I think it just went off for some reason. I'm going to see if we can get it back. Hold on just a moment. I pray that you're well. And um, uh, I know that our studio... um, The uh, Station of the Cross is in Buffalo, and they've had quite the storm. Um, And many of you in the Northeast uh, understand that, and you're under that snow. But we are here in Texas, and um, Tyler, Texas, it's been in the teens. It went down to single digits and, and wind chills below zero it's the warmest it's been today of 34 degrees. That's summer already. I, I can't believe I moved to Texas and we're freezing like this. But all we are water froze, lots of things froze, but we're doing terrific now. Um, you know, in the Northeast, uh, to leave your forces stripping, but we had to be reminded of that. So <laughs> all is well. I'm so happy to be with you. And you know, Many of you have been following the uh, issue of the document um, of uh, fiducia supplicants, which our Holy Father, the Vatican, and the Vatican put out uh, just before Christmas. It was uh, probably the most awful Christmas gift the Church has received. Fiducia supplicants means supplicating trust, supplicating trust, and the only general interpretation of it is that the church is allowing blessings for same-sex couples um they say it's for individuals but the couples come joined hand in hand and they're living together and doing everything else together and yet um it is couples um voice of the family if i've mentioned them before dear ones uh they are outstanding. If you could look up Voice of the Family online, they deserve your support. Um, they're tremendous, and um, the uh, head of it is—I um, think I don't know if I give her the right title. If I say head of it um, is Maria Madis. And um, she is, uh, and Dr. Robert Mattai, a uh, tremendous theologian and historian, writes regularly for them. They have excellent, excellent articles. And they have one <clears throat> on fiducia supplicants and the challenge for 2024. And I can tell you the bottom line on this is simply the destruction of the family. That's all it is. All of this so-called gender ideology, um, transhumanism, uh, homosexual whatevers, um, all of it, all of it is for the destruction of the family because the the enemy of the church, Satan himself and all his billions of minions uh, want to destroy the church as long as the family is strong and practice their faith, they cannot destroy the church and they cannot destroy the church directly. But if they destroy the family, then there's no vocations, there's no faith and they have a chance. Um, They're doing it nonstop and speeding up every effort to do so. I'm going to read Maria's article, um, dated uh, the 3rd of January, and it begins, Just before Christmas, on 18th December, the Catholic world was shaken by Fiducia supplicants, a declaration of high magisterial rank issued by the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, uh, shortened DDF, and... um, Beloved, if you're on our email list, I sent out the video of um, wonderful, the Archbishop of Malawi uh, giving his comments on it and it was very, very, very strong. And most of the bishops of Africa have uh, put it down and they have made it very, very clear that they will not allow same-sex couple blessings and they came out so strong, the whole continent, that I believe our Holy Father made, it, made an exception for them. Well, you can't make an exception for one and not another. But here's Maria's article. <clears throat> the document for Supplicants was signed by Pope Francis. Whether this document, which allows Catholic clergy, To bless couples living together outside of Christian marriage, including homosexual couples in certain non-liturgical settings, was received favorably or with alarm. It loomed large in the news over Christmas. Insightful commentaries have already been written, for example, by Edward Fieser and Robert D. Matai. And no doubt there will be more in the coming weeks and months as the implications of the document are better understood. And I'll say that most of you listening to me today have probably heard or read or watched many, many responses to this already. This is the first time that I'm um, responding to it on the air. Already strong and new voices of resistance to the revolution in the church, including entire bishops' conferences, have been raised against such blessings, many from Africa, suggesting that the Pope of the peripheries has miscalculated the peripheries rather badly, but also bishops of Poland, Hungary, Kazakhstan, and elsewhere. As the evident errors of fiducia supplicants are considered, the challenge before us is to return to the fullness of the truth about Catholic moral teaching on marriage and the family. The damage that the document will inevitably do has already been well summarized by others. First, it will affirm people in sin and deny them the genuinely pastoral care that would offer an opportunity to transform their lives. It is neither charitable nor merciful to hide from people the truth about their spiritual state when this deprives them of the motivation to turn away from a life of sin that threatens to cut them off from God for all eternity. Secondly, It further weakens the authority of the church by creating the type of disunity seen in those Protestant denominations in which the application of doctrine varies from one minister to another. There will be an ever-deepening divide between the nice priests who bless that's in quote, nice priests, who bless same-sex couples and the quote-unquote rigid priests who refuse such blessings. To the liturgical nomads looking for a more reverent mass, there will be added moral nomads looking for a parish where such occasions of scandal are avoided and others still looking for a parish where their sinful relationship is condoned with a blessing in a word a generation of more fragmentation and confusion. Thirdly, the call to conversion to non-Catholics will be undermined. Lutherans or Anglicans, for example, thinking of entering the Catholic Church could reasonably ask what is the point if the same parties and contradictions are found there as in their own communities. The Catholic Church has always been the beacon of Christian morality orienting all people of goodwill, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, to defend the principles of natural law as the foundation of civilized society. Turning away from the unambiguous proclamation of church teaching on something as major as homosexual acts is seen as a decisive step toward the abandonment of the perennial teaching on marriage and the family excuse me, and the family, opening the church to a barrage of internal attacks so well known to the Protestants, excuse me, whose authorities have all but given up teaching these principles. Um, I'm going to reread, turning away from the unambiguous... ...of church teaching on something as major as homosexual acts um, is seen, I'm going to add, not only as a decisive step toward the abandonment of the perennial teaching on marriage and the family, but I will add as the abandonment toward the Catholic Church period. You abandon her teaching on anything, you abandon her. This is not cafeteria Catholicism. Maria Matisse continues Matisse continues Beyond demoralizing faithful clergy of lay people the document harms the church herself In such moments it is far too common to be concerned with quote what this, does this mean to me as a catholic to my family and my parish rather than quote what does this mean to the church Yet we must always see the church as a person and not just a person, but our mother, who is suffering terrible mistreatment. Just as we would regard the suffering of our human mother above our own shame and anger, were she to be outrageously insulted, now, too, we must consider our mother the church and her interests first, and this will also point us to the appropriate response. I think I hear the outgoing music, beloved. We will continue with this um, when we come back from the break. Um, And we'll continue with this article then. And after the half hour break, we'll be able to take your emails. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: Sometimes we might be put in very difficult circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances might seem to be very conducive to holiness, but that really is a secondary question, what the circumstances are. It really depends on what our attitude is and what we want to do, again, in those circumstances, whether we want to see God's providence in those circumstances. How easily we make that excuse that if we were in different circumstances, I would practice virtue. If maybe I wasn't surrounded by so many annoying people, then I would be a patient person, but there's just too many difficult people in my life that make it impossible for me you know if i didn't have so many distractions in prayer then i would be a man of great prayer but there's just too many of them in my mind i can't if the circumstances were different if i lived in a different time in a different place if the people in my life were different then i would be different we make these excuses and we become complacent it's not the circumstances we're in but what we do in them that determines whether we reach holiness or not that's sermons for everyday living from 6 to 7 a.m eastern on the station of the cross I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. God so loved the world that he didn't create this committee to sit around in a circle and solicit people's opinions and decide which best course of action to take. No, he so loved the world that he sent his son the truth. He's the answer. So our faith in Christ gives us the unshaken way to stay Catholic. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform.
1: truly thrilled to be with you it's i'm i'm not thrilled to be reading this article on um the document uh fiducia supplicants that the holy father and the vatican put out just before christmas it's a uh, it's awful it's heresy it is a disgrace to the church and from the church uh, a terrible witness to the world um I'll just back up one little paragraph from where we left off. Beyond demoralizing faithful clergy and lay people, the document harms the church herself. In such moments, it is far too common to be concerned with what does this mean to me as a Catholic, to my family and my parish, rather than what does this mean to the church. Yet we must always see the church as a person and not just a person, but our mother who is suffering terrible mistreatment. Just as we would regard the suffering of our human mother above our own shame and anger, were she to be outrageously insulted, now too we must consider our mother the church and her interests first, and this will also point us to the appropriate response. A natural and understandable reaction to all this is the rejection the rejection of fiducia supplicants in favor of the position that prevailed before the 18th of December. But until there is a much more profound restoration of Catholic moral teaching on marriage and the family, particularly on the ends of marriage and their hierarchy, we risk becoming like those, quote unquote, traditionalists, whom G.K. Chesterton accused of defending and conserving the past errors of the revolution against the new ones, noting that quote from G.K. Chesterton, the business of conservatives is to prevent mistakes from being corrected. Even when the revolutionist might himself repent of his revolution, the traditionalist is already defending it as part of his tradition. That's quite something. I never thought of it that way. The 1960s, here's our challenge. The 1960s were marked by revolutionary changes, not only in the church's liturgy, but also in her moral teaching. While the latter was less immediately apparent than the former, they were, as it were, different sides of the same coin. And just as the attempted quote unquote reform of the reform in liturgy has suggested that only a complete return to tradition could restore the integrity of catholic worship we may find that in matters of morality it is not the understanding of the 1960s 80s or early 2000s that is not this or that attempt to adopt catholic moral i'm sorry let me let me reread that again um Just as the attempted reform of the reform in liturgy has suggested that only a complete return to tradition could restore the integrity of Catholic worship, we may find that in matters of morality, it is not the understanding of the 1960s or 80s or early 2000s. That is, not this or that attempt to adapt Catholic morals to the secular world. That must be restored, but rather the authentic perennial teaching in its entirety. Beloved, it's heartbreaking to me. I entered the church in 1995. I, it, it's just amazing I've been Catholic so long, and I'm still hardly used to being Catholic. I, I can't be grateful enough. Um. Um, uh, what I just got uh, distracted i 'm so sorry um, let me see here. all oh, right, um, we should never, never adapt to the world. never. It is us who are to be evangelized as the church to transform the world, to bring her to Christ, not to be adapted. Maria Matisse, who has written this excellent article, continues. In preparation for the Second Vatican Council, a committee headed by Alfredo Cardinal Atavani, prefect of the Holy Office, was tasked with preparing several schemata on which the discussions would be based. Among those was the draft of a dogmatic constitution on chastity, marriage, the family, and virginity which offered a comprehensive exposition of the divinely established moral order as understood and promoted by the church it is called on the council it called on the council to extol and defend in a single dogmatic constitution the nobility both of chastity in the unmarried and its most beautiful fruit sacred virginity and of chaste marriage and its heavenly fruit, the Christian family. The document explained how human marriage, by divine order, not only multiplies the human race, it also has the privilege of bearing children for the church so that she can truly flourish. The schema reaffirmed that sex is ordered to marriage and its spiritual and material goods, consequently, Evils such as transgenderism, mutilation, sterilization, IVF, in vitro fertilization, and homosexuality are condemned. It emphasized that although chastity is not the only nor the first good of the moral life of men, an integral moral life cannot exist without it. I was speaking once, beloved, to a friend a married friend and on chastity and she was faithful to her husband but not faithful to chastity and I spoke to her about it and she was absolutely shocked she said I thought because I was married anything was permitted and it's not she was absolutely shocked the content of the scheme of course revealed nothing new It merely summarized what the church had always taught about marriage and the family and warned against the foreseeable attacks brewing within the church and already manifest in secular society. Beloved, every one of us, every human being, Catholic or not, is called to a life of chastity. That means a life faithful to your state. If you are married, you're called to a life of chastity to your spouse. A woman... Chastity to her husband, a man, a man, chastity to his wife, a woman, period. And nothing outside, even personal um, acts, are forbidden. A grave, grave moral sin. And therefore, It therefore emphasized in the strongest possible terms the indissolubility of marriage and the hierarchy of its ends. God ordained the propagation of the human race as its primary end, and marriage is, by origin, purpose and function, good and holy. Genesis chapter 1, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, saying, increase and multiply. The secondary end of marriage, mutual assistance of the spouses, is also given in the following chapter of Genesis. Quote, it is not good for man to be alone. Let us make him a help like unto himself. <clears throat> the absolute primacy of the first end, the propagation and sanctification of the human race, is easily understood when marriage is considered in light of its supernatural model, the union between Christ and his church, of which the end is to populate heaven with souls. The institution of marriage, did you know that, beloved? The end of marriage is to populate heaven with souls by having as many children as God will give you, not planning the children you have. NFP is not is is not a catholic form is not to be a catholic form of birth control you are not to plan your children nfp natural family planning is allowed only in dire serious circumstances of mental illness physical illness serious financial straits serious serious illnesses not to plan your children out not to wait a year or two after your marriage if you do that your marriage is not valid You must be open to life for your marriage to be valid. Open to life on your marriage night. If you use contraception, not only are you in mortal sin, but your marriage is not consummated. The absolute primacy of the first end, the propagation and sanctification of the human race, is easily understood when marriage is considered In light of its supernatural model, the union between Christ and His church, of which the end is to populate heaven with souls. The institution of marriage was thus raised by Christ to the dignity of a sacrament for the baptized. And although a marriage bond is formed by mutual consent of husband and wife, it cannot be dissolved by human will, just as the church cannot be separated from Christ. The authors of the schema forcefully rejected the errors and theories by which... Oh, dear. Hold on now, please. Uh, You know, um, not long ago, I got a, a new laptop and... Hold on. and it kind of does its own thing Um, I know we're coming to a break soon but it just closed out three, four tabs I have oh my goodness I'm so sorry I'm going to get us back to the video right now and probably in time for the break hold on I'm so sorry. Many of you are probably not even interested. You're probably listening by radio or iCatholic app. But we are now back. Um, Mike or James or someone, can you see that we're back? On video, I don't see the screen. Hello? Okay. Right, right. All right, hold on, hold on. I'm so sorry, beloved. Um, I apologize. Let me see if I can get this article back. Just a moment. Isn't this something? In any case, beloved, we you know, we are, um, because of the storm, especially in buffalo where the program is produced um our good uh, james and mike and matthew and they're all uh, doing this remotely and so we might have a couple of problems we cannot take your calls today beloved but we will be able to take your emails and i'm going to come back from the break um and bring up this article again somehow and um Let's see, and and continue with it, and then we'll take the emails that have already come in. Hello, beloved, this is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on the stationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you.
0: We the people
2: are guaranteed 5 freedoms in the first amendment.
0: Freedom of
2: speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press freedom to peaceably assemble freedom to petition
0: the government only the united states has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed think first learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org
2: we hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a tri-god bumper magnet in traffic you can request a pre bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today. The Catholic Current Bringing Christ to the World and the World to Christ. The genius of the Middle Ages was the, to see all things as a whole and integrated. Now everything is specialized. And I love this one quote: it says, We're, we're learning more and more about less and less. Uh, until eventually we know everything about nothing. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Catholic Current, 5 p.m. Eastern, from the Station of the Cross and on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam live. I am live. I am she. I am thrilled to be with you. And um, we are reading uh, the response of the fantastic apostolate voice of the family. And it's um, headed by Maria Medisse, And she has written, along with others, um, a regular writer is um, uh, Dr. Robert um, um, Matai, and others—they're absolutely fantastic—and they are. If, if you ever want any uh, opinion or commentary on church documents on the family, go to Voice of the Family. And I would say, if you're looking for an absolute faithful, orthodox, Catholic, fully Catholic apostolates to support, Voice of the Family would be worthy of every penny. Um. We are not, I know the announcement uh, during the break gave you the phone number to call, but because we're doing the program remotely today because of the storm in Buffalo, um, we won't be able to take your calls, but we can take your emails. But I am going to take the liberty, um, uh, since you're not able to call in today, of going further, uh, hopefully finishing this one article on fiducia uh, supplicants um, meaning um, uh, um, it's supplicating trust is what it means um, and you've ha- probably heard many comments on it already came out just before Christmas the worst Christmas gift the church could ever have received um, and I think for the world it just, I'm embarrassed for the Catholic Church for such things like this to go out but and especially from the hierarchy Um Let me continue just to the end of the article. The absolute primacy of the first end of marriage is the propagation and sanctification of the human race. It's easily understood when marriage is considered in light of its supernatural model, the union between Christ and his church, of which the end is to populate heaven with souls. The institution of marriage was thus raised by Christ to the dignity of a sacrament for the baptized. And although a marriage bond is formed by mutual consent of husband and wife, it cannot be dissolved by human will, just as the church cannot be separated from Christ. The authors of the schema forcefully rejected the errors and theories by which is denied the immutable divine order, with regard to the properties um, and purposes of marriage, um, and by which, in an in inversion of the right order of values, the primary purpose of marriage is esteemed less than biological, and personal values and conjugal love in the objective order itself is proclaimed to be the primary purpose. The reason most Catholics today know nothing about this schema is that, like most of the draft constitutions drawn up by the prepar- prepar- preparatory committee, it was rejected by the Council Fathers. We're talking about Vatican Council, II. The schema summarized the perennial Catholic teaching on marriage and the family and unapologetically set out the consequences of any attempt to pull out a single thread of this beautifully patterned tapestry. Its rejection would come to represent the abandonment of the fullness of the traditional moral teaching and its gradual replacement with a new understanding of marriage and a morality that would eventually pave the way for documents like fiducia supplicants. During the council, and if anyone doesn't know, it's the blessing of homosexual couples. During the council, the schema on chastity, marriage, the family, and virginity, during the Second Vatican Council, on the schema, uh, the plan, God's plan, of chastity, marriage, family, and virginity were dismantled. With all references to chastity and virginity removed, what remained was incorporated into a new document on the relationship between the church and the modern world, Gaudium et Spes, approved by an overwhelming majority in December 1965. Gaudium et Spes appears to define marriage primarily as the intimate communion of the married couple. As Professor Roberto de Mattai points out, Um, The chapter dedicated to marriage and the family rejects an unhappy synthesis of the opposing views. He notes, the most surprising aspect of Gadium et Spes is the lack of exposure of the traditional order of the purpose of marriage. It was, as in the case of many other texts of the council, a substantially ambiguous document. Logic teaches that two values cannot be on a level of absolute equality. In the event of a conflict, one or other of the equivalent principles will prevail. Already in October 1941, Pius XII had warned that, quote, Two tendencies must be avoided one which in examining the constitutive elements of the act of generation gives weight only to the primary purpose of marriage as if the secondary purpose did not exist, and that which considers the secondary purpose as equally principal, losing it from its essential subordination to the primary purpose, which by logical necessity would lead to deadly consequences." by 1960, end quote, by 1968, the ends of marriage were clearly inverted in the church's language. In paragraph 12 of the encyclical Humanae Vitae on union and procreation, Paul VI states, quote, this particular doctrine, often expounded by the magisterium of the church, is based on the inseparable connection established by God, which man on his own initiative may not break between the unitive significance and the procreative significance, which are both inherent to the magic, to the marriage act. Look at that. We've praised, dear ones, Humana, Humanae Vitae, even though most bishops were against it when it first came out, as a magnificent document. I personally never realized the inversion here, putting unitive before procreative, putting the second end before the first. Quote from Paul VI. The reason is that the fundamental nature of the marriage act, while uniting husband and wife in the closest intimacy, also renders them capable of generating new life. This is reversed. Dr. Matai, Professor Matai is fantastic. Fantastic. And this as a result of laws written into the actual nature of man and of woman. And of each of these essential qualities, the unitive and the procreative, is preserved. The use of marriage fully retains its sense of true mutual love and its ordination to the supreme responsibility of parenthood to which man is called. Last week, beloved, we had an email from a man Whose wife, I forget their spiritual state, I think they're Catholic, but not fully faithful or informed or practicing and the gentleman's wife um, has been using contraceptives to this day, and they did on their marriage life a uh, marriage night um, because she's just afraid of having children. Um, and he said in the email, she's come a long way and they plan to stop contraceptives in five months from now. Well, I told them over the air that not only are they in grave mortal sin, but that their marriage may not at all be valid. To marry, and they didn't hesitate on the unitive, but they delay the procreative. And that, as Maria Medice has pointed out, is absolutely reverse. First is the procreative, then the unitive. This is a fantastic article. Maria Medis, I don't know that you listened to Mother Miriam live, but I salute you and I thank you. She continues, In progressive circles already intoxicated by the sexual revolution, it was widely expected that Pope Paul VI would amend the church's teaching on birth control. Faithful Catholics were naturally relieved when Humanae Vitae upheld the injunction against contraception. But while it was pillored by the progressive and applauded by the faithful a much more subtle innovation which reversed the order of the ends of marriage was enshrined within the text. Virtually unnoticed at the time, this error would have far-reaching consequences in the following decades. I tell you, I personally have been asleep. That never struck me. This is so huge, beloved. When the order of the ends of marriage is not respected, Man's concupiscence and his desire for pleasure is prone to prevail. Love is identified with the pleasure obtained from the personal union or by the resulting commitment and stability of the relationship. Furthermore, once the law of nature, founded on the objective difference between the sexes, is abandoned, all sexual morality is replaced by personal preference. This process inevitably leads to all that is antithetical to true marriage, birth control, infidelity, homosexuality, etc. Man, tainted by sin, <clears throat> is now subjected to the ever-increasing temptation to reform the laws of procreation universally taught for centuries according to his passions. The mindset that prior prioritizes love over truth with the implication that the primary end of marriage is love, that the conjugal act is itself the total self-giving love, has enabled churchmen today to argue that stable and faithful homosexual unions have positive aspects and gifts to offer, as was evident already during the two family synods in 2014 and 2015. Once the principles of natural law and moral absolutes are abandoned, anything becomes possible, even the suggestion that there are positive elements in unrepentant mortal sin and that it could be licit to bless what God condemns, which is what is happening right now. I tell you, Maria, this may have been written elsewhere, but I have never read it, and I've never seen that so clearly. Maria continues. We're almost at the end here. It is easy to imagine that the corruption of the Church's teaching on the indissolubility of marriage and homosexuality will sooner or later be accompanied by the denial of her teaching on contraception, reproductive technologies, and sanctity of life itself. All Catholics, whatever our state of life, have a duty to repel every attack on marriage and the family, given their fundamental importance to our faith and their foundation in the salvific marriage between Christ and his church, it is clear that everyone must fight this decisive battle, and only the complete return to the entire fabric of the Catholic teaching, beautiful, intact, and without compromise, will lead to victory we're one paragraph away from the end beloved and I'm, I'm afraid that if i read it now we'll be cut off by the break we'll read this last paragraph when we come back from the break and i implore you all to go on to voice of the family and get this article um uh on Fiducia supplicants written by maria matisse maria Matisse m-a-d-i-s-e we'll be right back beloved
2: Noonan in praying the litany of Humility
3: O Jesus meek and humble of heart hear me from the desire of being esteemed deliver me Jesus from the desire of being loved deliver me Jesus from the desire of being extolled deliver me Jesus from the desire of being honored deliver me Jesus from the desire of being praised deliver me Jesus from the desire of being Preferred to others deliver me Jesus From the desire of being consulted, deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I, unnoticed, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, amen.
1: This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes, and we, we can't take your calls today, but I'm going to take your emails after this one last paragraph. We've been reading a truly outstanding article by Maria Medisse from Voice of the Family called Fiducia Supplicants. Um, which is, uh, and the challenge for 2024. Uh, that's the latest document by the Holy See, and it means in, England, in English, rather, supplicating trust. And the article ends this way. <clears throat> in a message to the late Cardinal Caffara, Sister Lucia Fatima wrote, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family, end quote. The implications of documents like fiducia supplicants will certainly intensify the decisive battle, and those who work for the sanctity of marriage and the family are bound to feel fought and opposed in every way. But we must not forget what Sister Lucia said. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Pardon me. We must not forget what Sister Lucia said in the conclusion of her letter. Do not be afraid, because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Indeed, we can be sure that in the end the Immaculate Heart will triumph, but only if we share in the fight shall we share in the joy of her triumph. Um, I think this letter should be sent out and read by every single family and every single person who might desire to be married. Absolutely outstanding. I'm going to read an email by Benjamin. Um, He says this. My family, myself, my wife, and my 10-month-old son are traditional Catholics. We attend the FSSP, that's the fraternity of the Society of St. Peter, with a priest who will tell us to ignore 99% of what comes out of the Vatican, as it all belongs in the trash. I say shame on that priest. That's not true. That's not true. Um, What's coming out of the Vatican is the faith of the ages. What is being um, challenged and changed and distorted and even destroyed uh, or attacked is terrible, but it's not the majority of the faith. To say that 99% of what comes out of the Vatican belongs in the trash is a horrible, horrible statement, Uh, and it's not true. It's not true. There are falsehoods coming out of the Vatican, uh, without question, but we cannot turn away from the church our Lord has established, and that church that he has promised to lead into all truth until the end of time, and he will. And he will not fail to do that. Throughout history, the Aryan heresy is the biggest uh, upset. Um, where There was only one bishop, Athanasius, who believed, who stuck with the truth. But we cannot say that the Vatican is um, totally false or 99% false. We can, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I would personally talk to that priest and say what do we do um you need to support what you're saying and he cannot support that he will not be able to support that that's dangerous to the sheep that's very dangerous well benjamin goes on to ask now My question has to do with dealing with gays and lesbians in our family. It is happening on my side of the family. My parents are novus ordites. I've never heard that term, but in other words, those who go to the novus ordo mass, um, novus ordoites. I am the only one of their four children who is a practicing Catholic. Well, thank God for that. Both my sisters are Protestants, and my brother carries no faith. A few years ago, my niece... Daughter of my oldest sister, who is Protestant, decided to live a lesbian lifestyle. As they call it, she came out. When this happened, she was given the green light by both my parents and my aunt. Let me see now. Um, your parents do go to the Novus Order, so they do claim to be Catholic. and And your sister... Um, was given a green light for her lesbian lifestyle by your parents and your aunt, who also goes to the Novus Ordo, to bring her so-called girlfriend to family events such as Thanksgiving and Christmas. At the time, my wife and I were just discovering tradition and really didn't think about it much, but that has certainly changed along with many other things for us. Now we are stuck in a situation Where if we want to enjoy the holidays on my side of the family, we are forced to endure this lesbian couple that was originally told they had to act as friends only, but that is no longer the case. They live together so that when they receive gifts on Christmas, comments like, oh, we can use that this way in our apartment, or from one of my parents, we got that because we knew you'd both like it, are made and they act slightly better than um, um a teenage couple, with no control or supervision. I just changed some language here. My entire family, at least at these events, um, acts like they are just a normal couple now, and they rationalize excuse me, and they rationalize it by saying they are being charitable, excuse me. we disagree. We believe that love means willing the good of the soul of, of the other, which we take to mean we cannot even act like we tolerate this kind of behavior. My question is, how do we deal with this type of situation? Our priest made it very clear that when our son reaches a certain age, he said around five, we cannot have him around it. Well, five is too late. There's an awful lot that's absorbed by a child Um Before the age of five, as we have a duty to protect his innocence. While that is fine and I agree with that, it's impacting my wife and me negatively now. We live these events feeling very negative and scandalized by this. In addition, we are watching my nephews and the children of my cousins being scandalized too, which completely breaks my heart. If, when we say something, it will likely cause a huge division in our family, Um, or if, uh, when we say something, it will likely cause a huge division in our family. I'm reading this, beloved. I know many of you are experiencing this. We already decided not to invite the girlfriend to our baby shower, and that caused a big issue, so I know this is going to cause an even bigger issue. I want to tell my parents that they should never have allowed this evil to enter our family. Oh, it's, it's, um... As I truly believe, they should have stood up and protected the rest of us, but they didn't, and it upsets me. They don't have to protect you. They should have protected um, your, um, uh, the lesbian couple. They should have protected your sister. Um, hold on now. Hold on one second. You said a daughter of your oldest Okay, so it's your nephew. I had to go back and see. They should have protected her. Uh, they should, parents should not have to protect a Christian family. The Christian family supposedly should know what to do, even if they're Protestant. Benjamin, uh, I apologize, but uh, I want to continue through your email. There's the closing music for our program today. Um, your concerns are 100% perfect. Um, We'll we'll continue this tomorrow, but very quickly I would say you need to write a letter to your entire family, including your niece in that letter, explaining why this is such a grave sin against God and uh, something that you cannot be a part of by supporting them, even at a family function. The family will have to react to that, but you can no longer be part of this in a family gathering where they're present. God bless you.